from their sins. Thank you for sharing that name with us, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for, for sharing your son's name with us, that we would know who he is, that we would hear of him, that we would be called by him, that we would follow him. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for communicating all of this to us and telling us of the Father's love and of Jesus' power and love for us. Thank you. As we move, Lord, into this time of reading your scripture and, and hearing what you have to say, we pray that you would continue to tell us of your love and what you've done for us. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, before I get into the, the reading of the scripture, I, I just want to say uh, a welcome to all of the people that, that are listening online, that are uh, uh, listening onto the CD. Um, we know that you're not with us here in the building or the parking lot today, but we know that you are with us in spirit. Uh, and so welcome to the service here today. Uh, as we move now into the, the scripture, we're going to continue the series that we've been doing on the book of Ephesians on our identity in Jesus. And, and we're going to be reading today from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 24. So Ephesians 4, 14 through 24, if you would like to follow along. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is head, even Christ from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Well, last week uh, we looked at verses 1 through 13 here in chapter 4, and, and the main message of that passage was that we as a body of Christ are supposed to be united together as one. We are supposed to be as united as one as God is united in himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we talked about how this is our witness to the world, that when they look at us as a local church or as a, as a church globally, that they would see that we are different, that we're so united that they want to come close to that and they want to be united as well. Well, Paul moves on now from this message of unity to now this message of an old life and a new life, a way that we're supposed to walk versus a way that we used to walk. 
And as he moves into this, he, he gives basically three different examples or, or illustrations of what kind of life we're supposed to live as Christians versus the kind of life that we used to live before we became Christian. And, and the first one here comes in, in verses uh, 15, or 14 through 16, and what he talks about is, don't be like children anymore. Which, if there's any children that are listening here today, we don't mean to offend you. But as he gives this illustration, one of the things he says is, we're, we're not supposed to be like children that are easily tossed here and there. Uh, I, I was just watching uh, on, on, uh, online uh, an old commercial from, uh, an old Super Bowl commercial, that's what I'm trying, it's an old Buick commercial about two or three years old, and it has Cam Newton in it. And, and the commercial is basically that uh, one of the dads says something about, well, if that's a Buick, then my son is Cam Newton. And then they look on the field and they see his son is Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is like six foot four, 200 pound, 220 pounds. And, and the commercial is him playing against these, these uh, peewee football players. And, and you can imagine how that commercial goes. You know, he, he hikes the ball and pushes the kids over and throws the ball and a kid gets knocked down. And then he tries to chest bump the other kids. And so that's what happens when a, an adult plays with kids. And this is actually a really good image of what Paul is talking about when he says, don't be like children easily tossed around. Uh, children are still growing in their body. Children are still learning how to use their bodies. And so that's why they don't keep scoring a lot of Little League baseball games because they know that some kids are still growing and they want them to learn how to play the sport, not necessarily be competitive at a young age. And Paul says, as children, you're still learning your body. You you're still have so much more growth to do that if you were to try to compete against full-grown adults, you would be tossed aside. You would be thrown aside. And Paul says, don't be like children in your faith or in your uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ. He says, don't be like children in that you're easily deceived and tossed around. And so the point that, that he begins to make here in this part of the passage is that if you are easily deceived by lies from the enemy or philosophies from other people, you're going to be tossed around and tossed away from the truth of God. And so Paul is speaking not to you as an individual, he's actually speaking to the whole body of Christ. So he's actually speaking to Eau Claire Wesleyan Church as a body. He's saying to us, God is saying to us, don't be like children and chase every wind of doctrine. Don't chase every philosophy that comes your way, but you need to stay grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ. And of course, what happens when a church begins to open itself up to philosophies that are outside of the truth of God, or they begin to open up to what's called pluralism or syncretism, and that is that all truth, uh, or there is no actual truth, that all things are truth, and that other religions are just as believable as our religion. What happens when a church begins to open itself up to that is they begin to be tossed around. They begin to be taken advantage of by the enemy. They begin to believe that what God has called sin, we don't need to call sin anymore. 
And Paul is warning his congregation against that. He says, that's like thinking like a kid who's still learning how to use his body in a little league. That's thinking like a child who doesn't know how, how to grow yet, that isn't quite there maturely. And he says, instead, you have the capacity, you are called to be like mature adults when it comes to the truth. And what is a mature adult? A mature adult has already grown. A mature adult is at that point physically where they can use their body, they know the limitations of their body, and their body works together. Now, I... I, I know, I know. I'm young. I get it. So what I'm about to say, all of you might sneer at, but I'm in my early 30s, and I'm finding my body is not quite what it was when I was in my early 20s. And my body is telling the rest of my body that it's not quite there because I think I can do something, and then half of my body says, eh, we can't do that. Don't lift that. Bend with your knees. Don't lift with your back. And my body is telling other parts of my body, we can't get this done. We need help. And that's the body of Christ. Paul says that the body of Christ is supposed to work in such a way that we let each other know what we can and cannot do in the body. We have a corrective measure, and that is Christ in this body with one another. And so this is why we pull, each other, we pull each other aside and say, can you help me with this? Or sometimes we pull each other aside and say, hey, I don't think you're doing that right. We're going to get into that a little deeper later in this message. But what Paul is pointing out very specifically is the body of Christ that is grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ is mature. It works together. It knows who Jesus is. And it's not easily swayed. Whereas the body that is not grounded in Jesus Christ, the body that opens itself up to lies from the enemy and philosophies of the world, that body is like a childish body that still has a lot of growth to go through before it can handle something. And so Paul says, you have this option in front of you as a body. Are you going to grow to maturity with one another in love in Jesus? Or are you going to stay as children and easily tossed around by everything you hear? So then he moves on. In the following verses, he then gives this contrast between being a Gentile and being a Christian. And, and what he says to his congregation is he says, don't live like the Gentiles outside of this body. All right. Now, very quickly, when he uses that word Gentile, there's two things I want to point out. First of all, Guess who's in his church? Gentiles. Pastor Mark preached about this a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul calls them Gentiles and he says, but you are no longer Gentile, you've been brought near to Jesus Christ. And so ethnically speaking, there are still people within the Ephesian church that are both Jewish and Gentile. So ethnicity, yeah, there's some Gentiles within the church, but notice what Paul does here in chapter 4. He says, don't live like the Gentiles, meaning don't live like you used to live outside of this body. Before you were brought near to Jesus Christ and brought into the kingdom of God, you used to live a certain way. Now you don't live that way anymore. You don't even call yourself a Gentile because you have a new life. 
And what does that word Gentile mean? This is the second point I want to make here from this passage. That word Gentile very simply means the nations. It's a Greek word that comes from the Hebrew word goi. Goi means the nations. And so back in the Old Testament, when they were using the Hebrew language more often, you had the nation of Israel. And so you would ask, are you a part of the nation of Israel? Yes, I'm an Israelite. I'm part of the nation of Israel, the people of God. The other option was you were either part of the people of God or you were the nations. Simply put, they didn't care which nation you were from. They didn't care if you were from Egypt, if you were from uh, uh, Babylon. They didn't care if you were from any other of these nations. If you were not Israelite, oh, that's fine. You're just goy. You're just Gentile. You are just outside of this body. We are inside of it. And so when Paul begins to talk to his people and differentiate between the people that are in the body of Christ and the Gentiles who are outside of the body of Christ, what Paul is subtly doing here is he's saying, you are now a part of the kingdom of God. Don't act like you're outside. Don't try to find your identity outside of the kingdom of God because that's just goy. That's just the nations. That has no identity compared to what we have in Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, don't act like you're living outside of the body of Christ. And he begins to describe that life outside of the body of Christ. And as he begins to describe it, what he says is, they have the futility of mind. They, they have deception. They have lust and greed. They live a life that is so opposite of what we live. Don't be tempted to be drawn back to that identity outside of this body. You are now a part of the kingdom of God. And of course, the other option here, besides being a Gentile now, besides being somebody outside of the body, is to be a Christian. To be somebody that follows in the way of Jesus. To be somebody that believes in Jesus. To be somebody that recognizes that Jesus draws us into a relationship with God the Father. When you step back and look at those two options, is there really any comparison? Do you want to be outside of the body where the life you live is headed towards death? Or do you want to be inside the body with a life that is headed towards eternal life and love with God the Father? Well, Paul is pointing out that some people are still tempted with that. Some people are still tempted with this old life of being a Gentile. And he actually moves now into another way of putting it, another illustration, and he's talking then about the old life and the new life. And so he talks about this old life that is filled with deceit and the new life that is filled with life. And I want to read from my notes here as, as I, I try to get this right here in verses 22 through 24, if you look at it, one of the points that, that he says is, to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So this phrase here, in accordance with the lust of deceit. You know, there is a temptation that many Christians still have 
that their old life without God can provide comfort. And here's often what this looks like. When you begin to go through a difficult time, and the enemy begins to wedge his way into speaking to you, you begin to look at what you used to do before you were a Christian to receive comfort, and of course that was in sin. You, you would look back, and, and, and the temptation you get is that, boy, this provided me comfort. And right now, I feel as if though maybe God isn't as close to me as I thought he was. And so there's this temptation. This is what Paul calls the lust of deceit, that I know it's not true, I know it's not of God, but I remember a time that it provided me some level of comfort. And so now, maybe I'll go back to this and see if it'll provide some level of comfort now as I'm going through this difficult time. The people that I think can really resonate with this are those who deal with addiction. And this is what often happens in the life of addiction, is as you go through a difficult time, you are tempted to go back to, if it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever the addiction is, you begin to remember that time that this addiction helped you through this or that. And you begin, and this is where the deceit comes in, you begin to forget about all the pain that it caused, and all you can think of is, this helped me through a difficult time. And of course, getting over an addiction is being able to recognize that this is deceit, that it's not worth the, the price that you pay when you fall into it, and being able to come back into the life that is clean and sober. When it comes to sin, we go through the same thing. We're tempted with the old sin that we used to participate in. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's cheating. Maybe it's treating other people without dignity or value as, as, as God has called us. Maybe it's just not dealing with people with any kind of love. And you remember that time that I used to treat people that way or I used to be involved in that kind of sin, and it, it comforted me. It, it gave me some peace. Maybe I'll go back to it. And Paul says that is deceit. And when you look at that deceit to provide you comfort, you are actually lusting after the lies that the enemy is feeding you. And he says, instead, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to have a new way of thinking. You need to look at life differently because you now have Jesus Christ who provides all comfort, who even in those difficult times, you wonder if he's there and he's ready to speak with you. You think maybe he's not going to talk the truth is, he is there with you. You just have to sit a little bit longer to listen. And Paul says, you, can, you need to choose between these two lives, and you need to, to choose the new self, not the old self. So here's what we got before us. We have a life that's living like children, that's easily tossed by lies of the devil, or we have the mature life. We have the life of the Gentile, which has no identity, which is outside of the body of Christ. Or we have the life of the Christian, which is in the kingdom of God and whose identity comes from God. And then we have the old self, which looks at deceit and lies with lust and wants to go back to it. Or we have the new self, which is a transformed mind trusting in Jesus. 
So the question we then have, obviously, is, well, how do you choose? What does that choice look like to choose a mature life, the life of the Christian, uh, the new self? How do I do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we're going to take a look back up to verses 15 and then verses 20 and 21. So in verse 15, here's what Paul says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So in verse 15, what Paul says as he's described the, the immature life, the life of a child who's easily, easily tossed around, what he says is, in order to grow out of that, we as a body of Christ need to know how to speak the truth in love. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, uh, just that first part, to speak the truth. We believe, as Christians, that there is absolute truth in this world. We believe that there is absolute truth. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was Oprah Winfrey had given, uh, I think it was a college address somewhere, and, and there was a line that she said that, that uh, we Christians caught, and some people outside of the Christian community caught it, and, and sort of, you know, oh, wow, that is a bold statement. It's a very untrue statement. Her statement was, you need to believe in your truth. Notice what she said. Not the truth, or not even truth in general. It was, she was speaking to, to a, a, co a group of college kids that were graduating, believe in your truth. We don't believe that as Christians. We don't believe that you have a truth, and you have a truth, and we all get a truth. It's that there is the truth, and that this truth derives from God himself. And so as a body of Christ, we need to be willing and able to speak that truth to one another. When we hear somebody say something that doesn't line up with the Scripture, that doesn't line up with what we believe as Christians, we need to be able to pull one another aside and correct that. But here's the catch. Have you ever been corrected? It doesn't feel good, does it? feels horrible when you think you know what's right and then somebody pulls you aside and says, that ain't right. You can't do that. And so when we do this with one another, Paul says we must do it in love. Now, now that word love, that, that can seem like a very general word. Well, what does that look like? Well, we talked about it last week, and if you go back earlier in chapter 4, Paul describes what love is. Remember, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's tolerance or being able to bear with one another's burdens. It's being able to approach somebody with humility. So patience, humility, gentleness, and tolerance or bearing one another's burdens. So when you go to correct somebody, you've actually got to go with all of this in mind. You can't just go and correct them and be mean to them. Now, there is a point you do need to be strong and you do need to be, uh, uh, you, you do need to, be to the point where you say, I'm not going to budge on this. You are wrong. This is not what the scriptures teach. But you also need to understand that you're dealing with another person. And have you ever been corrected by somebody who isn't gentle? 
who isn't patient, who doesn't have tolerance, who doesn't have humility? Did you change your mind? No. That just builds more pride. Uh, I've told you this before. One of my first jobs was working at McDonald's. And over the years, I built up this seniority. Well, then I would leave for college and I'd come back for the summer and we'd have new people that thought I was the new guy. That was humbling. I, I could make a sandwich with my eyes closed. It probably looked like I made it with my eyes closed, but I knew what I was doing there. And I remember I would constantly have people correcting me and telling me, you're doing it wrong. And then I'd get upset with them. And I'd say, oh, I'm not doing it wrong. This is how you're supposed to do it. Well, as it turns out, in the nine months that I wasn't there, McDonald's changed a policy, and the new guy actually knew what he was doing more than I did. That was humbling. But you know what was best? It was always best when somebody told that to me. And they said, hey, I, I know you've been here a long time, and I, and I know that you're a hard worker, Okay, and, and I know that you've been away for nine months, but there has been a policy change. We're actually supposed to do it this way or that way. And then I would change. So when we approach one another to correct each other in truth, we must do it in love or else it's not going to get through. Nobody's going to change their behavior, and pride will build up. But oppositely, in approaching one another, correcting each other truth in love, we also need to be ready to receive that truth quite possibly without love. Which means we need to be just as loving when someone comes up to correct our behavior or our understanding. Which means we need to be patient. We need to be humble. We need to be ready to, to hear what correction we're supposed to receive and take it and apply it. Paul says if we don't do this, then we're like a child who is still learning how to function in his body. We're, we're still like a child that hasn't gone through the growth spurts. If we can't correct one another uh, it, in love, then we're going to be easily tossed around. And all of a sudden, you begin to see the body. You'll have people that will believe one thing, and another part of the body will believe another, and we won't be united. Paul says that's not the goal. So if we want to press on to maturity, or I should say continue to press on to greater maturity, we need to continue to be grounded in the truth, and we need to speak that truth in love. By the way, if our goal as a church is to grow and to bring new people into the body, they're going to need correction. We're going to need to disciple them, and we're going to need to speak the truth, but again, we must do it in love. Moving on, verses uh, 20 and 21 here. So verse 20, Paul makes a statement, and he says, But you did not learn Christ in this way. Speaking specifically of being a Gentile, he says, You did not learn Christ in this way. Well, what does that mean? If they did not learn Christ in this way, well, then it means that they did learn Christ in another way. And so the point that Paul is making here is, as a church, we need to be ready to disciple people. We need to be ready to bring in new Christians and let them know what the truth is and who God is. It's in the body that, that we not only correct one another, but we also share the truth with people that are looking for the truth. If people walk into our church and are new here, 
guess what they're looking for? Life. They want what you have. They want to know how you got it. And when you speak that to them, you are discipling them. Paul says it's very important that we speak this truth to one another and we speak this truth to new people that come into our church and disciple them so that they know when they begin to look back on their life as a Gentile or their old self, we can say, I've been there, done that. You don't want to go in that direction. Let me speak some truth into your life about how destructive that is. This is the way to follow Jesus. And then finally, this last statement here is from verse 21. So right after 20, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. And I'm going to close with this point here. We as a Christian faith are vastly different from other religions. Now, what you will hear outside of the church, is that all religions look alike. Is that all religions basically are the same and that there's just a few differences. And some of those differences among the religions are maybe the scripture that they read, uh, a few of the practices that they have. Some religions will say they're not a religion, but they're a philosophy. Uh, like uh, uh, Buddhism is technically not a religion, but it's a philosophy, it's a way of life. And, and people will try to point out that all of these religions, they really just look alike and they're all practically the same, so just get along. But there is one main difference that we have as Christians among any other religion. Our truth is grounded in a person. Jesus Christ. Which means the closer we're drawn to Jesus Christ, the more truth will be revealed to us as to who God is. Which means the difference that we have is we're not calling people into this church to, to necessarily practice a way of life. We're not calling them in to adopt a new philosophy. We're not calling them in uh, to necessarily live a different life, although those are outcomes of what happens when you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you live a different life. You have a new philosophy on how you view the world, but ultimately, when we call people into this body, we are calling them in to follow a real, living person that lived for them, that died for them, was resurrected for them, is seated with the Father in heaven for them. We are preaching that our truth is grounded in the person of Jesus Christ. So when we look at these two different lives to live, do we want to live as children? Do we want to live as Gentiles? Do we want to live in our old self? Or ultimately, do we want to live in the person of Jesus Christ who dwells in us? and shows us the truth. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing your truth to us, the truth to us. 
And God, thank you for, for reminding us what life we're called to live here as Christians, that we don't need to look back on the old self, we don't need to look back on the way that we used to live, but we look forward to living in you. Thank you, God, for putting these options before us and calling us to live a life in you. Amen. Amen.